Letters at Christmas. Over this month of December, throughout the season of Advent, and leading up to tonight on Christmas Eve, as a congregation, our theme has been Letters at Christmas. The biblical reason for that is that at the beginning of the year, we started reading through the New Testament this year. In January, we started in the Gospel of Matthew, and here in December, we've arrived at the book of Revelation. And over the last couple of Sundays, we've been focusing on Revelation. The book of Revelation was actually written as a letter a letter to seven churches in seven cities. So, letters at Christmas. But also we know that perhaps as a more seasonal example for this theme, we know that this is a time when people often send letters to others in this holiday season. Many a child has begun a letter over the last several weeks, no doubt, starting with, Dear Santa. And maybe there are those who send or receive a personal or family letter together with your annual Christmas cards. I have a very distinct memory as a child at Christmas time watching my parents open envelopes of Christmas cards, and every once in a while there was also a Christmas letter inside. And I remember my father looking at these letters and saying, I don't care what's going on in other people's lives. Just send me a Christmas card. Which is really odd because my father was a very positive person, but I distinctly remember him saying, I'm really not concerned about what other people are writing about. And so because of that, I kind of adopted the same attitude when Laura and I got married. I just signed my name and put the card in the mail. Until we started getting Christmas letters from some of our friends. Telling stories about what their kids are doing and all the places they went together as a family. And I thought, I'm not going to be outdone. (laughs) So I started writing my Christmas letter. After all, who doesn't want to brag about their kids? And when you get to that point in life, brag about your grandkids. And so, like it or not, people who receive a Christmas card from us get a full-page Christmas letter along with it, and they can do with it what they want. Obviously, there is nothing right or wrong about sending a Christmas letter at Christmas time, but maybe the question is, How do we receive them? What is our attitude or the spirit by which we receive good news from somebody else? The same question can be asked about the message of Christmas. How do we receive the message of the birth of God's Son? How do you receive Him? Tonight, I'd like to look at several characters in the Christmas story and identify at least four ways that we oftentimes receive the message of Christmas. And one way is with indifference. We didn't read the story tonight, but 
You're familiar with the story of the visit of the Magi, the wise men, that came to see Jesus. In fact, you probably know that contrary to most manger scenes, the wise men were not there the night Jesus was born. In fact, the wise men would not have arrived except for about a year and a half later after that, but let's just focus on the wise men for a moment here tonight. In reading that story, the gospel writer Matthew tells us that when the Magi arrived in Jerusalem, they inquired of King Herod, where was it that that the Messiah, the King of the Jews, was to be born? And in hearing that question, King Herod was not only disturbed by their question, but he was threatened by their question. So he called together the religious leaders of the day, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he asked them to research this, and they came back and said, well, the answer is in the Old Testament prophecy of Micah chapter 5 that he was born in Bethlehem. Now let's consider the fact that here the religious leaders of the day learned that the King of the Jews, the Messiah, was born in Bethlehem, and they acted like it didn't even matter to them. They were in Jerusalem. Bethlehem is five miles away, and they acted as if they didn't really care. Here they were, the religious leaders of the day, and the response was if they were indifferent to the news. You know, that's how some people receive the news about the birth of Jesus. It's as if it doesn't really matter. Some people are indifferent to it. But then there are also people who receive the news about Jesus in ignorance. The city of Bethlehem, as it says in that old hymn, O little town of Bethlehem, was a small, sleepy little village. At the time that Jesus was born, maybe the population was, was probably under about a thousand people. But on this particular occasion, the night that Jesus was born, the population of that town swelled. It was bursting at the seams. And the reason for that is that the Roman government had ordered a census to be gathered for the purpose of taxation, and so everybody was to go back to the hometown of their ancestry. So both Mary and Joseph were from the lineage of King David, and David was born in Bethlehem, so that's why they had to go to Bethlehem to register that night. And because there were so many people already there in the city, there was literally no room in the inn. But let's consider the fact that all of these people are there. But apparently, <clears throat> no one has a clue that in their midst, something great was happening. Nobody knew because nobody told them. The only announcement about the birth of Jesus came from an angel to some shepherds who were in nearby fields watching their sheep. And when they heard about it, they worshipped. But all of the rest of the people in Bethlehem that night, by and large, were ignorant of that information. They had no idea that God had entered their world, let alone he was right there literally in the town where they were sleeping. Nobody knew. 
Because nobody told them. Maybe that's not unlike the way it is today at times when it comes to how people receive the news about Jesus. In fact, maybe we assume that everybody today has heard about Jesus, but I would propose that not everybody has heard the correct information about Jesus. Even today, there's a sense of ignorance or lack of understanding as to who Jesus really is and why he came. I say that because some people think that the whole reason Jesus came was to get something from you. But really, the whole reason Jesus came was to give something to you. To give to you peace with the God who created you. Jesus came to give to you unconditional acceptance and unconditional forgiveness. Jesus came to to give to you the promise of forgiveness and the hope of salvation. Jesus came to you to give to you a relationship with him. That's what Jesus came to give to you. But unfortunately, that's not how some people often receive the message of Jesus. Some people receive the message of Jesus with indifference. Some people receive the message of Jesus out of ignorance, Because no one has really ever made it clear why he's come. But then, there are those who receive the message of Jesus with resistance. Let's go back to King Herod that we heard about earlier. He certainly didn't receive the message of Jesus very favorably. In fact, he was intimidated by the fact that Jesus came to be born King of of the Jews. And he so much so, he gave the unthinkable directive that all baby boys two years old and younger living in and around the vicinity of Bethlehem shall be put to death. Talk about receiving the information of Jesus with resistance. And actually, as we look at the overall Christmas story, there were some of the other characters who at least initially received the message of Jesus with resistance. Remember Mary's initial response when the angel came to her and said that she's going to give birth to the Son of God? How can this be since I'm a virgin, she said. Obviously, a natural question for her to ask. She at least initially was somewhat resistant. And so too was Joseph. After he heard about Mary's pregnancy, he knew he wasn't the father, and so he began to set things in motion to unravel the marital arrangement that had been made. Who could blame him? He had every reason to be resistant. The hearts and minds of both Mary and Joseph changed when God interceded, albeit through an angel. God worked in their lives and changed their resistance to acceptance. And that, too, is one of the ways to receive the message of Jesus in your life, with acceptance. I suppose we can say that some of the main characters in the story, the shepherds and the magi, in fact did receive the message of Jesus with acceptance. The shepherds were invited by the angel, and they came and saw him that night. They went and worshipped him. The the magi traveled all that distance, and they brought these gifts, and they showed acceptance as they worshipped him. 
And that too is how God wants you and me to receive Jesus, not just on this night as we celebrate his birth, but every day of our life. The New Testament book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, the Apostle Paul says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. The gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ. And why do we need salvation? Because we're all dying of the same terminal illness called sin. And the only one that can deal with that is Jesus. You know, maybe sometimes people don't realize the fallacy to think, when they think, that, that you know, we can be good enough on our own to, to get to heaven or to, to, to have a right relationship with God. Quite often there are people who will say, well, I'm good enough. And to those who think that, I would want to ask the question, how good is good enough? You see, it's not like God has a set of scales or balances that he uses with us. It's not like God looks at us and he decides, you know that guy over there, I think he's done one more good thing in his life than all the bad things. I think he'll squeak in. That's not how it works. None of us go to sleep at night thinking, you know, I think I, I was better today than all the rotten things I've ever thought, said, or done. It's not how it happens. If heaven was based on our goodness, your goodness, or mine, we're all doomed. That's why it's based on God's goodness, not ours. That's why it's based on His mercy, not our best efforts. That's why Jesus said from the cross, it's finished. He did it all. Jesus paid for your sins and mine, and so he gives to you the gift of unconditional love and the promise of a relationship with him, and all he wants you to do is accept that. Unfortunately, all too often, people receive that with indifference. All too often, some people don't even know that there's this gift that God wants to give out there, and, and so they don't receive it because of ignorance. Unfortunately, some people receive that gift with resistance. But here on this Christmas Eve, I want to encourage you to receive the message of Jesus, born to be your Savior, to receive the message of Jesus with acceptance. Because after all, it really shouldn't be all that difficult to receive a gift, should it? That's why it's a gift. A gift given that is completely unexpected. So when that happens, when that happens in your life, how do you generally receive an unexpected gift?
matter where you are in your life tonight, no matter what's going on in your life, good or not so good, my prayer tonight is that you will receive the gift of Jesus in your life. Not with indifference, not out of ignorance, not with resistance, but tonight and every day of your life, receive the gift of Jesus with acceptance. And enjoy the ride of the relationship that he has created with you who came to be your Savior. Merry Christmas. Amen.